Welcome back, everyone, to the DEI and Energy podcast. I'm your host, Kim Ali, DEI consultant, speaker, and travel addict. And I just want to say, everyone, thank you so much for the wonderful reviews. They are still coming in. So please, if you like the show and you like the topics, please leave a review. I'll be so happy and (laughs) truly appreciative of you. And also let me know what topics you would like to hear next. Just shoot me an email. I will leave the email in the show notes. So today I'm really excited about this episode. Now I know I say that about (laughs) all the episodes, but the reason why I'm excited today is because we are going to discuss the intersection of wellness and DE&I. And so this is a topic that I'm passionate about. Yes, I'm passionate about it because of my nursing background. Yes, I can relate personally because of my lived experiences with my health and working in a toxic environment. But I'm really passionate about this because this is an intersection that is often neglected by organizations because they fail to see the correlation between wellness and DEI and how it has an impact on employee performance and review. So today I am going to share with you three ways wellness and DEI intersect. All right, so let's dive in. So I am going to dive deep into this and I'm going to share examples of how exclusion discrimination and belonging is deeper than race and gender. If you listen to, I believe it was the intro episode, if I'm correct, I briefly discuss how there is a misconception that DNI is about race. And unfortunately, today we are seeing those misconceptions play out because of the current events that are happening in the country today. So I'm going to give you some examples, probably up until now, you might not have considered them a part of DEI. But before we begin, I am going to give you a crash course in pathophysiology. Sounds fun, right? (laughs) Humor me here. I promise I won't go too deep, but it is important for you to understand how the human body works and how we respond to stress. So bear with me. I'm going to tell you a little bit about how the brain works and how our body responds to situations where we feel threatened. So let's say you're in a meeting, right? And your boss is there and they embarrass you in this meeting. Think about how your body responds, right? Your heart might start racing. Your hands may get all sweaty and clammy because essentially you feel like you are being attacked, right? And so why does that response happen? How does it happen? That response is called fight or flight. I'm sure you've all heard of it, right? But how does it work? So in our brains, our brains have a gland called the pituitary gland. Next to that gland is an organ called the hypothalamus. Now, these two work hand in hand. They have a close relationship. They're always talking to each other. (laughs) And so when our bodies perceive a threat, the pituitary gland sends a signal to the hypothalamus. Hey, look, listen, something's happening. I don't like the way they're talking to us. I don't like the way they're behaving. Let's release some adrenaline. So now the hypothalamus sends a message to the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands are two separate glands that sit on top of our kidneys. 
Once the adrenal glands receive that signal, they release adrenaline into our bloodstream. So this explains why we hear these scenarios where mothers or fathers are able to lift cars because their children or child is in danger. It's because of that adrenaline. So this is also used in situations where let's say we have to give a presentation and we're nervous, right? Or if you are a marathon runner, you have a big race coming up. Adrenaline is actually a performance enhancer. So it's quite helpful in those short-term stressful situations. However, this becomes unhealthy with long-term stressors. So instead of adrenaline, the adrenal glands release a hormone called cortisol. Now, increased cortisol levels in our bloodstream lead to sleep deprivation, headaches, weight gain, high blood pressure, diabetes, and even fertility. I mean, there are so many health morbidities that are related to increased cortisol levels in our bloodstream. So now I want you to keep this in mind because it will start to make more sense as we go deeper into the podcast. So I talked about, I'm going to share the three ways. So the first way is performance, right? Stressful situations has an impact on our wellness and that in turn has an impact on our performance. So I'll share with you (laughs) a personal battle that I've been dealing with up until recently. And I say recently because once I decided that it was no longer going to be an issue for me and I let it go, it's no longer my problem, it's other people's problem. But up until recently, I was deemed as underperforming, and I'll tell you why. So, you know, I'm African-American. I'm an African-American woman. And unfortunately, African-American women have stereotypes, right? There are stereotypes that we are loud, that we are aggressive, that we're difficult or confrontational. And so at work, I would be deemed as underperforming because in meetings, I was quiet. I think I shared before that I'm an introvert. Now, I know on LinkedIn, it may seem like I'm here, there, everywhere, but I'm really shy and I'm an introvert. And so this was misperceived at work. People assumed that because I belong to a certain demographics and community that I was supposed to behave in a certain way. And so I would be marked as underperforming. I would be marked as not a team player. I was disengaged. And I had a constant struggle, right? Because this is me. This is who I am. And now it doesn't bother me anymore. But as you can see, this was a huge issue when it came to belonging. It caused me anxiety because I always felt like I had to be someone that I'm not in order to fit in or able to get a great performance review, right? But I will share with you another example that you might not, you know, maybe put two and two together. So there are other ways that you feel like you may not belong. So you could be a white man and a former veteran, and you may suffer from PTSD, But because there aren't any employee resource groups at your organization, no one knows. No one understands what you're going through. No one is there to support you. I'll give you another example. You may have an invisible disability. So you may be a white woman and you may suffer from 
ADD and no one knows that and you're not comfortable sharing. And so no one knows how to support you at work. I'll give you another example. Weight. Weight is a form of discrimination. There are tons of research that indicates that people who are, you know, perceived as being overweight by their colleagues are treated differently. There are comments made towards these individuals that are upsetting or anxiety provoking. Another example is introvert, extrovert. Again, I shared with you because I'm an introvert. I was deemed as an underperformer. There are tons of studies that back this up too. Extroverts get promoted more frequently than introverts. There's beauty. People who are deemed prettier or more handsome than their colleagues get preferential treatment. There's height discrimination. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but I'm sharing these examples because this is related to belonging. This is related to morale and you know, being feeling like you can show up and be your true authentic self. Because at the end of the day, all of us struggle with something. We all have something maybe that we have kept a secret or something that we're dealing with and we feel like people won't get it. People will think we're weird or people won't know how to support us, right? Why? Because we are all human, all right? So I just wanted to share those examples with you because there's so many nuances to DEI that are untapped. And I think now is the perfect opportunity to start looking into those areas. All right, so that's performance. Again, if you fall into any of these areas, it has an impact on your performance because now you feel like, you know, there's some belonging issues and that you can't show up as your authentic self. So let's move on to productivity. Now I have a question for you. Do you know of any high performers that hate their jobs? No, seriously, do you know of anyone who strolls in late, leaves early, has a poor attitude, but they love their job? They give it 100%. Probably not. I don't know anyone like that. If you do, please let me know. But I mean, it's obvious when you're disengaged, when morale is low, the job becomes just a paycheck. And we are seeing this now with Gen Z and millennials. And let's just be honest, in the energy sector, there are too many opportunities to stay at a job if you're not happy. These are transferable skills that you can go from oil and gas to renewable or renewable to solar, right? There's too many companies that understand that Gen Z and millennials want an inclusive work environment. They want an employer that is flexible and understands their needs, right? I know back in the day, like my parents, they are of the mindset of you get a job and (laughs) you stay there for 50 years and then you get your watch and retire. But things are different now right? I'm a millennial and I'm included in this too. I know if I wasn't happy at a job, I wouldn't stay. And this is imperative for industries like energy, especially oil and gas and utilities, because this is a dangerous field, right? When we talk about decreased productivity, now it has an impact on your team and it becomes a health and safety issue because these are high risk jobs. 
So as an employer, we want to try to minimize any stress, unnecessary stress that our employees may encounter. So now if you think about how productivity and wellness intersects, by this time, if you were on the job and it's starting to have an impact on your productivity, nine times out of 10, this is where you will start to see an impact on your health. So remember earlier, I told you how long-term stress is not a good thing. Long-term stress normally starts to kick in depending on the severity of the stress. You'll probably start to see this around the third or fourth month on the job. Now, what does this look like? This could look like sleep deprivation. This could look like headaches, right? This could look like anxiety before you go to work. This could look like making mistakes if you have a boss who is micromanaging you. At this stage, work is no longer enjoyable and you will find any way to get out of going to work. So now this is where you might see an increase in sick calls. Leave of absences may be on the rise. There might be injuries on the job, right? And so this has an impact on your team. When you have a team and there are members out who are on sick leave or injured, that team has to absorb the extra work, especially now in situations where there are increased storms, right? If you're in a utility space, summer storms are the worst they've ever been. And there are more power outages than they have been before. So you need all hands on deck. You cannot afford to have employees call out because if the power is out, then you don't generate revenue as a business. All right. So I hope the wheels are starting to turn now and now you're starting to see how this is related. So we just talked about productivity. Let's get into revenue. All right. So we just mentioned employees are starting to call out. You have employees on medical leave. You may have employees on disability, which the company has to pay for. As a for-profit business, this is a huge revenue leakage because you are paying employees to provide a service that is not being delivered. So again, if you are an oil and gas, this has an impact on how fast you can move petroleum to your clients. If you are in solar, this has an impact on how many solar panels you can install. And again, utilities. I just mentioned power outages, all right? So with all that being said, I want to invite you to homework. Do you mind if I do that? (laughs) Now, I know you're busy. You're probably saying, Kim, I have enough on my plate. No, I do not want homework. I get it. But If you're curious, right, if I've piqued your interest and you're curious to see how this is really impacting your bottom line, I have homework for you. And if you don't have anyone in HR who has the bandwidth to do this, it's okay. What you can do, you can get a college intern, someone who is majoring in human resources or someone in data analytics would love a project like this. You can get an intern and it will cost you nothing. But I invite you to look at first performance reviews. Remember we talked about performance as an area that this has an impact on. So look at your performance reviews. How many teams did not meet their goals or metrics, right? 
Look at your exit interviews. If you do exit interviews, great. If not, this might be an opportunity to start implementing them. But look at the data from the exit interviews. How many employees are leaving because of leadership or belonging, right? Then let's get into sick calls. How many employees are calling out sick? Is there an influx of sick calls? Look at medical leave. How many employees are on medical leave? And for how long? What is the duration? And then also look at workman's comp. Now, once you've looked at all of this, calculate how much revenue you are losing because of this. And then think, if you took 5% of this revenue and invested it in your employees' well-being, how much would you save annually if you could reduce that revenue leakage? Just say 10%, how much would you be saving? And might I add, I'm not even factoring in the investment that it takes to rehire a new employee when someone resigns. The industry standard says it takes 1.5% of the salary to hire a new employee. And you probably won't get your return on investment back for maybe three to five years, right? So again, I invite you, just look at the numbers. Data doesn't lie. Look at how much revenue you are losing just from simply you know, not having a wellness plan or if you have a wellness plan, maybe adding a few more resources and support to make it a little bit more robust for your employees. So I hope this gives you a better understanding of why wellness is a critical component of DEI. If you have any questions, you want to explore this further, please reach out to me. I'm happy to do a deep dive and to see how I can support you. But in the meantime, that is all I have for today. So remember, diversity is not a buzzword. It is a key driver of innovation and growth. So let's keep the conversation going by sharing our stories and building an equitable energy industry together. Until next time, stay curious, stay open-minded, and stay tuned for more DNI Insights on DNI and Energy Podcasts. See you on the next episode.